With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. Hey, Bills Mafia. We know there's only one topic every day. All Bills, all the time. And now Matt Bove and Sal Capaccio are going really deep. Talking Bills all year long. Because it's always game day in Buffalo. It's always game day in Buffalo, and it's Sal Capaccio with Matt Bove. We always welcome you in, and thank you for joining us. Download, subscribe, wherever you find your podcasts. We appreciate it. And Matt, I'm going to start this off with something you may not know. Okay. Last week. Yeah. We passed 100,000 downloads, pal. Oh, beautiful. That's great. No, I did not know that. I'm glad to hear that. That's amazing. Congratulations, man. It's awesome. Thanks to all, all the uh, listeners and new downloaders out there that helped us get there and all the old people have been with us since the beginning. Do we get like a party for that? Is this like when you're in school, do they like bring like pizza to our houses or cupcakes Maybe. or anything like that? Maybe. And look, Who do I we mean, need to talk to about that. <laughs> it's, um, it's pretty cool. Well, you know what? Uh, we got, I got my wife and son, your wife, we could just turn around and high five them wherever yeah, we are that's, in our locations yeah, that's, here. That's right? perfect. And look, I mean, it, it's a nice number because we've only been doing this since like late July, basically. Right. We yeah. started this when training camp started. Um, so to have, this, you know, milestone already, we really appreciate it from everybody out there. And uh, thank you so much to everybody uh, who's been around for this ride already. And we're going to continue it going as the season goes on, including today, our second of the week, a look ahead to the Tennessee Titans. The Bills take on the Titans Monday night football at Highmark Stadium. Let's start there. Monday night football. Um, What does Monday night football mean to you? What does Monday night football, Matt, mean to you watching uh, on TV growing up, now covering it as professional and being a part of that atmosphere and environment? Well, usually it means chaos for me because I work at an ABC affiliate and usually Uh there's the connection between the ABC, the ESPN, the Monday Night Football. But this week is a little different because the game that ABC is carrying, my station, is actually the Vikings and Eagles. Wow. But it's in Buffalo. So like we don't really have anything to do with that game. Monday night football to me was always kind of like the pie in the sky of when the team is good. That's where you get to play. I know Sunday night has kind of become like the maybe more premier spot around the league, maybe compared to what Monday night used to be, but still like the music to me, it still sends like a little bit of a chill down my spine. I know I've seen a lot of like TikToks and Instagram videos of people sharing the music for all the different themes, the NFL on CBS, Fox, Monday night football, Sunday night football. I think I'm partial to Monday night football. I think that might be my favorite theme music of all of them. I think it just hits a little bit different. So Monday night football, it is a spectacle. I feel like you're kind of closing out the week at that point. And you're also playing a standalone game. So 
it was always like the one, whenever the bills got a primetime game, it felt like unless it was a Thursday, every once in a while, they'd get tossed a Monday night game. But now it's like, this is just status quo starting the season with two straight primetime games. When you think of like your childhood Monday night football, who's the voice you think of? Ooh, I think of like Mike Tirico. Oh, wow. that's yeah, yeah. That's like my kind of generation. I am what old, I would think. Of. I am really, no. here's, I, here's, I'm going to go tell you, cause mine's Frank Gifford, dude, like Frank Gifford <laughs> in the, in the eighties, like and Howard Cosell. Like, I mean, I grew up with them, but really, really it was, um, Dan Deerdorf, um, you know, those guys too, but Frank Gifford is the guy I think of all the time. When I think of that, when I think of what's the, when you, I say bills on Monday night football, what's the first game you think of bills on Monday night football, believe it or not. It's probably Bills at Jets, Super Bowl years. Uh, Bills just completely torched them in New York. I think Thurman had over 200 yards rushing, might have even set a Monday Night Football record or came close to it that night. That's the first game I think of because I got to tell you, I think that was 88, Matt, when they got a little better, maybe 89. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't think they'd been to a Super Bowl yet. I have to go back and look at the actual game, but it was the game that you said, what you just said, like it was the game that got them on the national stage. Like, they were good. So they put them on Monday night and all of a sudden they were just great that night. And it's like, yeah, we've arrived, man. We've arrived with Jim Kelly at Thurman Thomas and Andre Reed. And it was awesome. So this is going to show maybe the generation gap and maybe for people who are similar age to me, the mm-hmm. first game I think of when the bills are on Monday night football, even after the years of them being good is the year they lost to the Cowboys at the end of the game. Oh man. That's the, with T.O. as a yeah. cowboy, all of the yeah. Romo interceptions. And that's why to me, like Mike Tirico is the first voice that pops into my head. Cause I think back to that game, I think back to the game against the Cleveland Browns yes. on Monday night football. That was also just a mess. I also think to the Patriots game with the Laotis McKelvin fumble mm-hmm. to start the season. So a these heartbreak are heartbreak in here, man. Well, that's my, that's basically yeah. my entire life up until, you know, now that it, this is professional. Now that I cover the team, you don't watch the broadcast. That's another thing, you know, another layer to what we were talking about last week with me having to fly home and watch the game on TV and everything. Yeah. It's like the first time I've watched a game on TV and I can't tell you how long. And it's really like the broadcast, even watching the broadcast was a little foreign to me. So yeah, when I think of Monday night football, I think of my time sitting in my family room with my parents, watching the bills usually lose in a heartbreaking fashion. Speaking of parents, Matt, and watching the games when I was a kid, I'm talking like, I mean, Max's age, eight years old, nine years old, 10, 11, 12 years old, somewhere in there. I a loved football. I also wanted to stay up as late as possible because that's what you do when you're a kid. You want to stay up as late as possible. And my dad would say, come on, you got to go to bed, got to go to bed. But he would let me watch like most of the first half. And then I would just beg every week. I'd beg him, dad, can I please just stay up to watch halftime highlights? Because it was an event to watch Howard Cosell's halftime highlights on Monday night football. Look them up on YouTube folks. Howard Cosell halftime highlights. It was Howard Cosell halftime highlights. What happened on Sunday in the NFL? And I hope I did that. Okay. But you all know what I'm talking about. That's what I did. I love football. I wanted to keep watching it and I wanted to stay up as late as possible. So I stayed up as late as I could to watch Howard Cosell's halftime highlights. And back then, by the way, the games started at 9 PM, not eight 20, not seven 15, 9 PM. So yeah, yeah, yeah. I was a young kid staying up late, which probably explains a lot about my grades back then. 
it's just amazing to me how it all comes full circle of like, now there are a large portion of the fan base that is complaining about how many primetime games that the bills have and how they don't have enough Sunday, one o'clock home games anymore. But for years and years and years for like literally two decades, it was the bills are never in primetime. The bills will never be showcased like that. And if they will, it'll be a game or two max. And if you get to one of them for sure will be on Thursday night. And now we're talking about, Thursday night to start the season Monday night. Then we go on a little bit of a run with like normal one o'clock games. Then you get to, you know, the cream of the crop, the four twenty five Sunday game against the chiefs, which is like the most sacred game on the NFL calendar this year. That was the game that CBS wouldn't lay their hands off of. It was just like, this is our game. And then they come back after that and they have Sunday night football again at home against the Packers. So I, I think it's really cool for a generation of bills fans that are really young. Like I know we did a story this week at channel seven about, did you hear about the orchard park and frontier school districts? Did you hear well, about this? I- I know that they that Orchard Park is letting kids out early, and the the headline has been, "Oh, the Bills are playing; they're letting them out early." But I, I believe it's because of the busing situation, and they don't want kids like on the buses for hours because of all the traffic around the stadium. Isn't that correct? Yes, that is correct. Okay, so and it's and it all makes a ton of sense. Right. But I saw some great tweets about this, and somebody was like, "JP Lossman never got us." a half day of school, (laughs) (laughs) which was like, so perfect. So yeah. So that's like another layer to it too, but it's just cool. Like I know even for the first day of the season, when they played the Rams, I saw a lot of people sharing on social media, like all of the kids at the bus stops wearing the Josh Allen shirts and their Stefan Diggs jerseys and all this stuff. And it's just cool. Like for people that age, this is the bills that they're kind of, you know, falling in love with. And it's really cool. Yeah, no doubt. And by the way, this is only the second September primetime home game in 22 years. The only other one September primetime home game was against the Jets in 2016 in week two when the Bills won and then Greg Roman was fired the next day. It was a Thursday night game. Other than yep. that, the last time before that, the Bills had played a September home primetime game was against the Titans to open the season the year after home run throwback. The Bills lose on home run throwback. They opened the season on Sunday Night Football against the Titans. They won the game. Rob Johnson started. Alex Van Pelt came in, actually led him on a game-winning drive. I believe, if I remember right, it was a low-scoring game. Since then, the Bills have not hosted September primetime games. Now, look, that's a narrow scope. I understand only a certain set of circumstances to even have that. But what what I'm happy about, Matt, is for the last few years when the Bills have been on primetime, when they have had Monday night or Sunday night home games, it's been late in the season. Bad weather, snow, mm-hmm. cold. Now yeah. it might be some rain on Monday. I don't know, but at least we get a September primetime game for people to go to the stadium and enjoy when it, the weather hasn't completely turned yet. What is the appropriate time if you're not like in an RV? Because I think if you're in an RV, all rules go out the window. You can kind of set up your tailgate. If you're just traveling to the game in a car, in an SUV with some buddies, you've got maybe you're meeting some friends to tailgate. What is the like appropriate time to start tailgating for a 715 Monday night football game? 715 game gates would open at 515. So I'm thinking one o'clock or two o'clock. Okay. And that's kind of where I'm at too. I'm thinking from the conversations that I've had with friends who are bills fans, people who are going to the game, more of them are taking off the Monday of the game, not the Tuesday after the game. Most of them are basically going 
getting there early afternoon, maybe late morning, tailgating the entire day, going to the game, hoping that they get home by midnight and just trying to rally as much as they can on Tuesday. So I would say like, I think noon is very realistic. Like to go by the time you get your setup, you got five, six hours of just having the best time in the world. Yeah. You go into the game, you watch it and then you get home. Max is going to his first primetime home game. Uh, he went to the LA game, but I'm okay with him going because it is a 7:15 start. It is important to tell everybody it's a 7:15 kick. It's not a normal 8:20 kick. Um, you know, if it was uh-huh. later, I don't. I wouldn't want him to do that. I'd be like, no, you can't. It's too late. He's still going to get home late. But at least, Matt, it is not as late for everybody, right? I mean, after this game, like you said, you're getting home before midnight. You're getting enough time in to go to to work or school the next morning. I mean, I'm thinking of it from the standpoint that like once the game is done and our work for the evening is done, I think we're going to be able to record an episode of the podcast after the game, which is really convenient because the time it takes us to record the podcast is basically the same thing as if the game would have started at 815. I wish every primetime game started at 715. <laughs> That's just the reality of the situation. All right. Speaking of recording a podcast, uh, we're going to talk a little bit more about this game. Let's get into it a little bit. The Bills and the Titans. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. Hey, it's Sal Capaccio from It's Always Game Day in Buffalo. It's not just a podcast. It's the 25th hour of your day. Your weekly source for all things Buffalo Bills. Right on time, your time. In the car, navigate the streets with NFL wisdom in your ear. We accompany every errand you need to run. Washing the windows or vacuuming the carpets? Don't just clean, conquer. Podcasts make you more productive because we fit perfectly into your schedule. Follow It's Always Game Day in Buffalo in the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, Sal Capaccio, Matt Bove. We're going to be joined by Ben Arthur of the Tennessean coming up in just a little while. We'll get the scoop on the Titans. But in the meantime, Matt, um, this game here, obviously everybody knows that the Titans have Derrick Henry. They're bringing him into the game. He ran for 143 yards last year against the Bills, over seven yards of carry, three touchdowns. Their offense kind of revolves around him. Bad news for the Bills mm-hmm. on Wednesday. Now, we are taping here Wednesday night. So by the time people hear this on Thursday, maybe Ed Oliver and or Tim Settle return to practice. But that would be welcome news because the news right now is they do not have two of their main defensive tackles. And that's not ideal against Derrick Henry. I didn't see Tim settle at practice on Wednesday. I did see very at the end at Oliver. I know like John Scott got some video of him as well, working off to the side. I think that's a good sign that Ed Oliver was out on the field. It's funny you say that side. because I saw Tim settle. There you go. Perfect. And you didn't, and I didn't see Ed Oliver. <laughs> okay. So, so there you go. So they're we'll, both we'll on combine the side. those two. Yeah. Yeah. We're, we're pool, it's a pool report basically. Go, um, yeah. But we're putting all that together, whether that means they play or not this week, I guess that's remains to be seen, but I think it doesn't mean that these are long-term injuries. And because there haven't been long-term designations on either of them, I think that's a good sign for them moving forward. And I know this would be the week that you would want to have a fully healthy defensive line, knowing who you're going against with Derrick Henry. But I think even if you are without those two guys, They'll be okay. I think they, and this might be a little bit of a take. I think Tim settle might be more important for this particular game than Ed Oliver would be just because Mm -hmm. of knowing the role of what Derrick Henry can do to you. 
Interesting. Um, I think Tim, Tim Settle is a very important player, but I could see where you're coming from because Ed Oliver could be more of a penetrator, help with the interior pass rush. And obviously he's a good run defender, but I think Tim Settle was brought in to really kind of help out against the run and in the run game, right? Um, the linebackers are very important in this one. But Matt, I think that the one word Bills fans need to remember this week, get this into your vocabulary, Bills fans, populate populate, populate. That's the word. It's, it's what the players say about how to tackle Derrick Henry population to the football, populate, populate, population, get people to the football. The more people to the football you can, the better chance you have of bringing them down. This is a guy that as Von Miller said is the exact same size as him. He said, he's my height. He's my weight. He said, I might run a little bit more of a better 40. He's got actually a better vertical. He actually knows all this. <laughs> That's pretty scary to think about if Von Miller was actually running back, running at you. I agree. And I think it is scary, but I, and once again, this is, it's one week. Everybody overreacts always to the first week of the year. He's still one of the best running backs in the NFL. He didn't look like the same Derrick Henry when I was watching the game against the giants on Sunday. And I was watching largely in part because I wanted to see how Dable was going to do. And if he was going to get his first win, but he never, was like, uh oh, that guy is going to completely take over this game. At least in the first week, he is coming off of an injury. He's mm-hmm. a year older. Maybe it's just taken a little bit longer for him to kind of hit his stride into the season. By no means am I saying that Derrick Henry is not a massive threat for the Bills, but I think with their newly equipped weapons, I think another year of experience going against him, I'm not as concerned about Derrick Henry wrecking a game plan this year as I was the last few years. Totally get it. They are also a little bit more devoid of weapons, right? I mean, AJ Brown Mm -hmm. is gone and that's a big deal for them. Now, Kyle Phillips had a nice game last week. He's a starting slot receiver for the Titans. We'll hear from Ben Arthur, what he has to say about him, but I'm always confident going into a game when someone says a team has a, good slot receiver because the bills have Taron Johnson yeah, who's exactly. very good at, at nickel corner. And I think even last week when Cooper cup had like a bunch of yards, Matt, he averaged less than 10 yards of reception. Obviously the bills were like, okay, get your catches. We're just going to tackle you and make sure you don't make a big play. That was the game plan. I think on, you know, uh, Cooper cup. So I'm fine with, you know, Cooper cup. I'm sorry with a uh, Taron Johnson in that role. Let me ask you, um, if they do have to go to the air, if the Titans do say, Hey, look, you know, their bills have made us one dimensional. How did you feel that the rookie corners made out last week and being up to the task of making sure they do it on back-to-back weeks? I think they did a good job. I don't know if I would go better than good just because the pressure was so impressive that they didn't have to cover as long as maybe sometimes they would have or how long they would have had to last year because the D line wasn't getting that much pressure, but it all is meant to help each other. So if the defensive line is going to be creating the havoc that they created against the Rams on a consistent basis, they're not always going to get seven sacks, but if they can create consistent pressure, then I think for at least right now, Christian Benford and Kyrie Elam can do a good enough job of kind of just minimizing the big plays, not making major mistakes, keeping everything in front of them, making the tackles that they're asked to make. I think of that second, I think it was drive that the Rams had where they threw it out in the flat and Christian Benford had to come up and make a basically one-on-one tackle. He takes the guy down that forces the Rams to punt. Like those are the types of plays you like to see rookies make. I also think that it says something that when we were talking to Sean McDermott, this week about how Kyer Elam responded to not winning the starting job. He was just very straightforward. He's like, he took it like a pro learned from it, 
he'll be better because of it. And I think that that speaks volumes. And I think that that's a nice blend. And I also think it helps that they have two options because if one guy starts to struggle a little bit, maybe then you lean on the other. It ended up being about a split. Benford got a little bit more playing time than Elam did, but I think that that helps them that they have both of those players available. And honestly, by the time that these guys start to get into a groove a little bit, that's probably when Trey white comes back for the Titans. They, um, up front, they have Jeffrey Simmons, who is uh, another, uh, yeah, he's incredible. He's another game wrecker, right? He can definitely, um, you know, do, I think some of the things that you wanted to mitigate that Aaron Donald could do. So, uh, before we get to our guest, Ben Arthur coming up here in just a moment about Jeffrey Simmons and what the bills can do to neutralize him. Would you envision the same sort of game plan, which is get the ball out of Josh Allen's hands quickly. And then maybe also get to the edge on toss sweeps and just kind of not allow him to make, to have a factor. That's my thinking. And I'm kind of of the mindset of like, if it's not broke, don't fix it. Like what you did worked against a defense that has more talent than the Titans do. It's not that the Titans don't have a strong defense. I think that they have, you know, an average to above average defense in the NFL, but if it worked against Aaron Donald, it'll work against him. So that's what I would do. All right. Well, we're going to welcome in our next guest, Ben Arthur of the Tennessee and to break down the Tennessee Titans. Hey everyone, this is Brett Boone. Would you know it? I've got a podcast going strong in our fourth year. Tune in as I sit down with my friends, some of the biggest names in sports, media, entertainment, for a lot of fun and in-depth conversations. As you know, baseball's been my life. It's been in the family for a long time, but it's a lot more than that here. It's sort of like taking a ride in a golf cart around a beautiful track. Join me every week for multiple episodes on the Brett Boone Podcast, available on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. All right. Welcome back everybody to it's always game day in Buffalo map of Sal Capaccio. And we are joined by Ben Arthur. He covers the Titans for the Tennessean. This is his second season covering them. Thanks for joining us, man. We really appreciate it. Thanks for having me on guys. So as we're getting ready for this game, what's the vibe down in Nashville right now? Because I'm probably, I'm assuming most Titans fans probably didn't think week one was going to play out the way it did. Yeah, I, I think the, the the vibe is definitely kind of confusion, kind of anxious, anxiousness for this game, frustration over just kind of the disaster that that took place in, in week one, particularly in that second half, just kind of collapsing at the hands of what's clearly an inferior team. Uh, the Titans actually haven't had practice this week and we haven't been in the locker room yet, so it's kind of hard to say what they're feeling internally, but, but I know of course that they're motivated and this is a team. And as you guys know that these two teams have pretty much a budding rivalry at this point, even though they're not in in the same division, it seems like these games are always intense. We know what happened uh, last year with that um, goal line stand uh, by, by the Titans. So um, I'm sure the Titans are just as anxious to, to get out there as, as the fans are to see kind of what the team looks like. This is a team that kind of had issues all over the place uh, when, when you look at offense, defense and special teams. And so um, this is going to be a really big challenge. You guys know better than me. This Bills team is very formidable. I, I don't see very many flaws um, on this team. And, and so um kind of all those things that went wrong against the Giants. I mean, they're going to have to be even more on their P's and Q's against uh, this uh, Bills team on Monday. The Titans obviously rely on Derrick Henry a lot. The Bills have had trouble stopping him in the past. He ran for 143 last year, over seven yards of carry, but he didn't have a great game last week. It was an okay game, right? I mean, how do you assess the run game and where that is, especially with the changes up front on the offensive line? 
Yeah, I, I, Derek didn't have, yeah, as you said, he didn't have a great game. He was, he was fine. Um, I, I think a lot of fans here would have liked to have, have seen him touch the ball more, but also you, you kind of look at, um, as the game wore on, he actually played worse, which is usually, it's usually the reverse with Derek. He, he kind of starts off slow. Then in the second half, he'll get 10, 12, 13, 14 carries and kind of take over a game. But kind of the yards per carry went down in the second half. Um, it just wasn't super effective. Um, and so I, I'm not sure if that was maybe kind of Derek getting his feet under him or, or the offensive line. But I will say the offensive line, for as many concerns as people here in Nashville had about that group heading into the season, it the the group did look really well in terms of especially in terms of pass protection i think that was the the biggest issue having to replace you know two guys who are now with with the bills and, right. and david kessenberry yeah. and roger saffold like how would they be able to fill those holes at left guard and right tackle and the the old line didn't give up a sack um in in the giants game for as many issues as they had offensively the only sack came on like a boot action from ryan Tannehill. so um I think the old line did fine. I, I think obviously you, you want to see stronger run blocking a guy in Derrick Henry, who's looking to kind of get his footing back. Want to see maybe more creases created for him. Um, but, uh, but Derek also kind of just needs to play better too. I mean, he, he, there was a, a direct snap. He took on a third and one, like a wildcat situation yeah. and he fumbled the ball would have been an easy first down. He's really good typically in those wildcat situations. And so, um, yeah, the, the old line probably needs to block better, but I also think Derek knows he, he he's got to play better as well. Ben, in the second half of that game last year against the Titans and the Bills, every, everybody remembers what happened at the end of the game with the goal line stand and Josh slipping and all of that stuff. But I think to get to that point, the Titans were really in the game because of Derrick Henry and because A.J. Brown took over in the second half. He was an absolute monster. And I know that obviously he's been traded now. He's with Philly. A lot of people were really kind of shocked, at least on the outside. Like here in Buffalo, people were like, why did they trade A.J. Brown? But kind of turning the page on that saga, like who are the weapons? in the passing game that bills fans should be concerned about. Cause I know obviously they used to first round pick on a wide receiver, but there's some new faces that I think might throw some people off who haven't been watching the Titans as closely, obviously as you have. Yeah. Right now the, the Titans are definitely a, a receiver by a committee team. AJ was very clearly the number one guy. And, and I think right now it's kind of to be determined, still kind of under development that they, they traded for, Robert Woods, um, they brought him in expecting him to be the number two guy, but then AJ Brown gets traded. All of a sudden mm -hmm. he's the number one guy, but he's also coming off a torn ACL last season, had a really good off season OTAs, mandatory minicamp training camp, all that. Um, and he's come along nicely, but, um, he, he's barely involved, um, in, in the passing game in that first game. And, and so I, I'm sure the Titans, are going to make a concerted effort to get him the ball more. He's in terms of being an established guy, he's probably the closest thing the Titans have um, to that. Um, I, I will say beyond. So, so there's Traylon Burks, obviously yeah. their, their first round receiver, the 18th pick in the draft. Um, and, and he, he, he's a big play threat. He, he kind of has a similar profile as AJ in terms of being a physical guy, um, he won't necessarily blow you away with all the jukes, but he loves contact. He's a big yak guy. 
Um, but but he's not he's not quite what AJ is, of, of course. And, and I think he, he's still kind of developing. Um, but but I think the, the top guy for the Titans right now seems to be um, a fifth round rookie um, named Kyle Phillips. He's a slot receiver from UCLA, really shifty. Um, he, he was virtually unguardable, um, all training camp, like all summer, the Titans had two sets of joint practices. No one seemed to be able to, to guard him. And, um, he had nine targets in the, the week one, um, game against the giants. He's the Titans leading receiver on that, on their last possession, when they were trying to, when they were getting into field goal range, he had. Um, I want to say four or five targets on that drive alone. Um, so right now, it, it very it, it's very clear that T- Ryan Tannehill maybe trusts him the most. He made the most plays uh, for the offense in the summer with Robert Woods kind of being limited, Traylon Burks kind of having some ups and downs, and really there being really no other consistent names in that room. Um, Kyle Phillips is probably the top guy in, in my eyes. Um, but, um, but like I said, to start, I, I think this is very much receiver by committee room right now. I like Traylon Burks a lot coming out of college. I actually thought the bills might be interested in drafting him as we know they wanted to get a little bit more yards after catching. Like you said, that's a big guy for that. Kyle Phillips against Taron Johnson should be a really good matchup to watch in this game. Taron Johnson, one of the best nickel corners in the league and what Kyle Phillips did last week. And like you said, what he did throughout the preseason in camp, I think that's going to be one of the matchups to watch. Let me ask you about the other side of the ball, Ben, Ben Arthur joining us from the Tennessee and here on it's always game day in Buffalo. Um, Saquon Barkley, a buck 22 in the second half alone. Um, he wound up with a, a huge game, a huge day. Is it something with the Titans run defense or, Hey, those things happen when you're playing against Saquon Barkley once in a while. Yeah, it's, it's so I've kind of been thinking about this and, and watching the film over it's, it's so tough to, to kind of assess because the, the Titans, I mean, last year, they were like second in the league in in run defense. This is a team that prides itself in run defense. They've been very good at it. They have probably the second best defensive tackle in the NFL and Jeffrey Simmons. And so that's been a strong suit for them. I mean, obviously, I, I think Saquon Barkley is kind of back to being Saquon Barkley. And, and the Titans definitely had issues with that. I, I think from a fundamental standpoint, I, I think there were a, a lot of issues, but but I'm not sure if from one game we can say if it's going to be a trend or if it was just a bad game against a, a star running back who looks like himself. So um, that that's kind of how I would um, answer that. I, I do think, though, that losing Harold Landry, uh, the mm. Titans' top pass rusher, um, may have kind of played a role um, he, as I mean, he yeah. was a double digit sack guy, a, um, a pro bowler last season, but he's also really been really disruptive um, in, in the backfield, uh, big tackles for lost guy. And so you, you, you kind of think maybe that kind of played a role, but overall um, I, I don't think I'm really sounding the alarms after one game, even without Harold Landry, this is a very strong uh, defensive front. And so um, it, it's going to be kind of interesting to see how that group up front uh, unfolds, but I don't think um, from one game based on the history of of this Titans front and, and kind of the personnel they still have there. I'm not sure that we can um, really say that it's maybe a, 
a red flag. Maybe it was just kind of a bad game. And then Ben, this is the last one for me, but like these teams have now played, this will be the fifth straight season that they have played games. The bills won in 18 and 19, the Titans won in 20 and 21 last year's game was unbelievable. I think bills fans going into this game though, have a little bit of confidence. They're like, okay, we're going to finally beat these guys. If the Titans are going to win, what do they have to do to knock off the bills? Well, I think Derrick Henry has to get going. I think the Titans need to control the clock. I think as much as they can make sure that Josh Allen and that Bills offense doesn't hit the field, I think it's in the betterment of of the Titans. Um, And I think we all know how explosive that Bills passing attack can be. And the Titans have some vulnerabilities at corner. Um, so the, the, one of their starters is a rookie. Um, the other one, Christian Fulton, their top guy, gave up a 65-yard touchdown to the Giants last week. And so I, I think the more that the offense can really sustain drives, um, kind of wind down the clock, let Derrick Henry kind of do his thing. And Derrick Henry obviously needs to play well too. But I, but I think that's going to be the key. Um, for in, in this one for the Titans, making sure the Bills can't, the offense can't really get on the field. Ben Arthur of the Tennessee. And before we let you go, big picture question about the Titans, Malik Willis, when does he actually take over as starting quarterback? And are the fans more impatient about this than the organization? Um, yeah, I, I'd probably say the fans are more impatient than the organization. Um, it's going to be a fascinating off season for the Titans, just because with Ryan Tannehill's contract, you can kind of get out of it, save more than 17 million against the cap. You can use that to build around Malik, but also Malik. I don't think he's ready. I mean, as much as promise and potential, and he, he kind of has those dazzling qualities we see in the top quarterbacks in the game today. Um, there's a lot in terms of decision-making and accuracy um, that he still needs to work on. And so um, I I think a lot of it kind of depends on how Ryan Tannehill uh, looks this season. I I know he's come into this year really motivated. He actually had a a pretty good game um, against the Giants. It was just kind of around him. It it didn't look so good. But I I I think next year Malik can compete for the starting job. Coming into this season, he didn't have a chance. Everyone knew that. Um, But I think depending on how Ryan's season goes, um, Malik will definitely be in the conversation to potentially start. And and then I I think by 2024, um, if he kind of continues the the positive strides, he, he... he, he should be your guy if, but, but then also again, the, the reasons why he fell into the third round and, and things like that, it all kind of depends on his progression and also how Ryan Tannehill responds to this season. All right. Thanks. Thank you very much, man. We really appreciate yeah. it. That was Thank awesome. man. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you very much for that. Um, we are going to look more forward to your work as the week goes on. If anybody wants to follow along and know what's up with the Titans, you can follow Ben at Ben Y Arthur. And uh, he is a Titans reporter for the Tennessee and Ben, we're going to let you go so we can kind of wrap things up on our end, but we really appreciate it, man. Thank you so much. No, thank you. Appreciate you guys for having me. All right. That has been Arthur of the Tennessean. Uh, Matt, let's get to a couple questions that the listeners have asked us and tweeted into us as we uh, get on out of here. But first and foremost, before we um, kind of get to any of these questions, 
the most important question has been asked a few times. How is your dad doing? Oh, he's doing much, much better. Thank you, everybody. I really appreciate it. You know, people have been sending me messages and DMs and everything. Actually, before we taped this podcast, I went over to my parents' house just to kind of check in on them. He's doing better. He's already talking about the Titans game. So the fact that he's thinking about the Bills is probably a good sign. We still got we still got a ways to go, but um, you know, shout out to all of the hospital workers who helped him. They were fantastic and uh we're just so so fortunate. That's awesome to hear, man. That's awesome. All right. I got one here. You can pick one if you want, but uh, not a lot of time to answer a lot of these, but Scott tweets in benching of players due to one fumble seems like a harsh overreaction that potentially hurts the team by removing talented players from the field. Fumbles happen odd shaped ball. And there are talented players on the roster uh, on the other side. Is this a fault of McDermott that needs correcting? So first of all, I will say to Scott as a person who's been around football my whole life and played and coached. I will tell you, I love the way you said odd shaped football and things happen (laughs) because it is true. Um, Uh There's, there's an old saying in, you know, as coaches always say, the ball is not round. You don't know where it's going when it hits the ground. So you better jump on it. However, I think this is comes down to one word, Scott and Matt it's trust. Mm -hmm. I mean, if you can't trust James cook to hold on to the football, you can't give him the football. I don't care if he's a rookie or he was, or he's a 10 year veteran, especially if you're a rookie though, I should say when you fumble on your first carry, Sean McDermott's trying to win the game. So I don't think it's an overreaction. Sean McDermott has a very talented roster. Yes. The other side is talented, but they're deep. He doesn't have to give James cook the football. He's got to be able to trust him to hold on to the football. And to me, it is not an overreaction to say, look, if I can, if I give you the ball one time and you fumble, I can't trust you to hold on to it. I got to have you hold on to it. So I don't think it's an overreaction. No, I don't think so either. And I think it's almost a similar situation to what happened last year with Isaiah McKenzie, when he basically got sat down for a couple games on the special team side. And then when they needed to call him back into action on an offensive role against the Patriots, he absolutely lit it up. So I don't think it's going to hurt his confidence. I think it's like a, well, Welcome to the NFL. We know you're going to be better at this. We just need to make sure we can trust you. I'm going to do a little bit of rapid fire because we do have so many questions. Okay. Uh, Krieg asked, do you think Boogie or Epinesa may be inactive in favor of Shaq? I don't. Boogie had a sack and an interception and AJ Epinesa had a sack and a half. I don't think that you're sitting either of those guys. Do you agree? Yeah, but I'm going to go a step further. I think they're all active. I think the bills go nine defensive linemen this week. I think Shaq is active. Well, I think it also depends on what happens with that Oliver and Tim settle. That's correct. Um, but I think I do think they'll have nine defensive linemen active because of who they're playing. Another question is from Sean. If something happens to Reed, meaning Ferguson during a game, who's the backup <laughs> long snapper and why is it Micah Hyde? It's actually, he's joking at the second part of the question. It's actually AJ Epinesa, the guy we were just right. talking about. So he's going to be active, but if that did happen, then he would be the person who would step in. AJ Epinesa. Um, Usually it's a tight end defensive end type of guy. Um, I don't know. Would, would Reed Ferguson be a tight end if he wasn't a long snapper? He's that's been a long is, snapper his whole life. That's what he is in Madden. I believe I think that's oh, really? his, I think his official designation in okay. Madden is long snapper go. slash tight end. <laughs> there you I, go, could be, so. I could be wrong on that. Good um, nugget. By the way, uh, people have asked who would love backup long snapper is. You just heard it right there from Matt Bove. It's AJ Epinesa. It's AJ Epinesa, Jeff Rusak, former colleague at channel seven. When is it socially acceptable for an adult to drink a glass of milk? Well, why wouldn't it be? Well, first of all, I don't drink milk because I I'm, I'm lactose intolerant. So I don't, uh-huh. I don't do a lot of dairy just to let you know, but why would an adult not 
be able to drink milk. I don't get it. <laughs> I drink. I, our buddy Joe Biscalia thinks it's crazy. I every once in a while will have a glass of milk, and he's like, "I can't believe what I used to do to really." You're fine, him, man. Yeah, that's what I, what I used to really do to kind of fire him up is I would take a carton of milk in the press box and I would drink it every single you know morning of a game. And so I, I think when is it socially acceptable? I think in the comfort of your own home, you can drink milk whenever you want. <laughs> if you're going to do it out in public, maybe you got to. Be a little bit more cautious. Uh, this one is from Dave Demizio. I don't know. Okay, so I know Dave very, very well. I don't know what you call them, Sal, but this is one of those people who we refer to as a cousin in my family, but okay. isn't actually a cousin. Totally get it. Yeah. You know what I mean? So yeah. everybody's got a different term for those. Mm-hmm. His question is, how nervous are the Bills to play the Dolphins? Because he is a big-time Dolphins I'm fan. I'm like, only a Dolphins fan would ask that. <laughs> he is a big-time Dolphins fan. We golf together very frequently. He's always talking about the Dolphins, and I always tell them they're not nervous about the dolphins until the dolphins prove that they can beat them. And that's kind of the answer that I have for all of eternity until the dolphins win a game against the bills. I don't think they're really that nervous about the, the bills. Dolphins. Aren't nervous about playing anybody. Uh, it doesn't matter. Uh, they'll play anybody that I think they know that they have the best team in the league, or at least, you know, they believe they do and they might very well have the best team in the league. But I do like the question because I think that dolphins fans are starting to get a little bit of beer muscles lately. I'll say that. Yes, absolutely. Uh, any other ones you want to answer? You want to wrap it up? Um, how about what are your predictions on Khalil Shakir being active on Monday? This comes from uh key blast. I, I don't think he is active. I think Jamison Crowder played solid enough that the bills can look at it and go, yeah, we don't really need to do that yet. We're fine with what we did on offense as far as who we had active or inactive. And I agree. I think it's going to be the same, at least offensively. Sal, let's finish it off with predictions as we get ready for this Titans game here. Well, look, I, the the line is nine and a half. I think that's a pretty big line. That's tough to win. But I mean, I think that's might be about what it is, Matt. I'm looking at like a mega, maybe a 10 point game. So last week I said, I do not see the Rams getting over 20 points. Some people are going, Ooh, really? Mm-hmm. They can get over 20 points. They only got 10. Well, I don't see the Titans getting over 20 points. So I'll give them 20. I'll say bills 30 to 20, maybe 31, 20, somewhere in that area. I was going to go with bills. 31 Titans. 21. So, so 10 points. We are right at the same spot then. Right at the same spot. Yep. I think the Bills win. I think that the Titans hang around a little bit longer than maybe Bills fans expect them to, but I think that they're able to kind of pull away a little bit. I think the Bills, I think the Bills defense is phenomenal, obviously. I don't think they're going to get seven sacks in this game like no. they did against the Rams because Tannehill is a bit more mobile. Like he can kind of get out of trouble, but I just think that their offense can put up points against anybody. We will have another It's Always Game Day in Buffalo podcast for you after the Bills take on the Titans Monday night football. It comes to Buffalo. It's going to be an amazing electric atmosphere. Cannot wait for it. Can't wait to talk to Matt about it again. Can't wait to get you another podcast. And thank you so much once again, everybody, for downloading. And please subscribe to It's Always Game Day in Buffalo. Matt, let's enjoy this one, man. It should be really, really fun. What a great night it's going to be in the stadium. It's going to be unbelievable. Dun, 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 dun.